Hello Life Changes Church, welcome to our YouTube channel. We have got an amazing word prepared for you, so why don't you take out your notebook and your pen as we get ready to listen to what God has for us. We continue our series today called Unashamed. And we are having a conversation about the good news about sex. It's a healthy conversation. It might even be a slightly awkward conversation for some, but it's a necessary conversation in family and in this world of an ever-changing landscape regarding sexuality. It's changing so fast, and I'm telling you, if we aren't having conversations, we're going to miss and we're going to go, what happened there? It's going to be one of those. The tide is changing. The waves are pulling back and pushing forward. And I hate to be so honest, but we sat down this week, had a night where we thought we're just going to enjoy a night of watching TV as a family. So we thought we'd start searching. When last did you search for a TV show that you thought would be edifying for your family and your young teenage kids? When last? Because we sat down in the first one. I just need to turn off the screen lock as I talk, if that's all right. Sorry. Epic fail. Um, but... Um, um, Whoa, what's happening? Um, we sat down, and the first one was exciting, and we kind of thought it was really cool until we realized the highlight of the whole show was going to be a brother who'd come out as gay and the, the celebration of that thing. And, and that's not my conversation this morning. Just, that's not what I wanted my kids to be spending their time looking at, if I'm being honest. The next show, we slipped across, and we thought that was cool, and the first, at the center was a lesbian wedding happening, and uh, this was about three seconds later, and the third show, again, was someone processing their sexuality in a very different way, and I realized it's really hard to navigate as this landscape is shifting, and it's shifting fast. And um, what is problem is, is we become good at navigating chaos, and we have normalized chaos. We've normalized it. You know, it's that big turning circle in France, and they all go around and around. It's just, well, you just know when you get there, there's chaos. And everyone goes, well, it's normal. The problem is in the area of sexuality, we are normalizing chaos, and it's not helpful. And so it's a challenge because we need to engage this conversation, this talk, um, with theological faithfulness. Meaning, coming to the Bible faithfully, trusting God with everything and saying, God, your word and, and your word leading us, we're going to be faithful to your word. God is always faithful. He is always faithful. It's whether or not I choose to be faithful. And then to come to the same conversation with courageous love. Because we aren't talking about an issue. When I say the word homosexual, I'm talking about family to me. I'm talking about people I've known for 30, 40 years. I'm talking about people that I love. I'm not talking about an issue, a point, or a, a bullet point on a sermon title. I'm talking about people that I love and he loves, who were made in his image. But we've got to do that with courageous love. And then why are we talking about it? Quickly to remind us again to dispel ignorance. Ignorance is not innocence. They're very different. And so we've got to deal with ignorance. Ignorance on every side of the fence. We have to speak truth to set people free. We want freedom to come. I've just had the privilege of sitting, listening. Please, please, please be at church next week. Please invite people. Please bring teenagers. And please come with an open heart to hear one of the elders share a word that will blow your mind on pornography and lust. Please. Is that good? We never really rally people to church, but it's just that important. To remind us also, lastly, about biblical normality, because what the world says is normal is so different to what the church should call normal. And I'm telling you, Colossians challenges us, uh, Corinthians challenges us, we become desensitized in the world that we live in. We become, oh, that's just normal. No, it's a challenge. 
And so we've got to start our conversation somewhere, but there are some really wrong starting points, like this. Well, everybody's doing it. It's culturally normal. That's very dangerous territory. Well, what about the law says it's fine. It's legally accepted, Mark. You can't challenge. Well, it's legally accepted. Well, in America, in the st certain states, you can abort up to 26 weeks. Let me take you to friends in my house whose kids were born at 28 weeks and show you what that child looks like. I'm telling you. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's God's standard. Uh, in California now, you can go and steal up to $950, and it's, not con it's considered a misdemeanor, and you can just move on. But I'm telling you, as believers, you don't get that privilege just because it's legal. Relax, I'm not angry, I'm excited. They look the same often, I realize. But... Um, but, but it says, well, they, they seem to be doing it and they're having fun. I promise you now, most of them are lying and experience is not a good director for your life. It's just, it's just not. I'm going to move on quickly from that. Who am I to judge? So we sit on the fence of some non-opinion reality and I'm not asking us to become the most opinionated people in the room. I'm asking us to become followers of Jesus. And that does demand an opinion, a thought, a belief. And so... Well, Mark, that sounds very fundamental, and you're a bit of a fundamentalist. Well, I am, when it comes to Jesus and what he said, what he continues to speak. And we challenged by Jesus in John 14. Jesus comes and says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So we don't get to choose which one we want of those. I'm really, I, I, I need direction. I want Jesus the way, but I don't want the truth and the life. You don't get, you get Jesus as Lord. And when you get Jesus as Lord, this is his call to you, follow me. He said it to his disciples, he's saying it to the believers of 2023. It doesn't matter how hard it is to follow him in 2023. And so we get to follow Jesus the way. How do you do that? You follow Jesus' way. He lays it out for us in his word. Faith and trusting Jesus is following Jesus' way. We get to follow Jesus' truth. That's why you don't get your truth. Sir, man, it's not your truth. That's the biggest load of hogwash that's ever come in and been socially accepted. It's rubbish when we believe in Jesus. I'm not trying to make friends. I'm trying to follow Jesus. I'm trying to love people with truth. Jesus, full of grace and full of truth. I'm the same preacher who preached it two weeks ago, but I'm telling you, we've stopped fighting back in the area of truth and stopped declaring it even. It's not your job to fight, it's your job to declare it. That's what the Great Commission is. Go and tell them. It's a declaration of truth. And lastly, to follow Jesus. And now, following Jesus, when we come to a series like this, you have to start believing, I'm gonna follow Jesus, why? Because he's faithful to his promises and he is good. As a caveat to that, there's a devil who hates you. He hates you. He's got an agenda for your life, which is rob, steal, and destroy. Kill and destroy. That's the desire of the enemy, and the opposite is God who loves you. He loves you. I don't know what you believe, but if you're going to struggle with this series unless you get to the conclusion, the belief, and the knowledge that God loves you. It doesn't matter what you did last night, what you thought this morning, where you were this week. He loves you. So I want to speak this morning, and the title of my sermon is Playing with Fire. But I'm speaking about sex, marriage, and the gospel. Quick little testimony. You got a little photo there for me, maybe. 
19 years ago tomorrow, my wife is going to scream, oh, 19 years ago tomorrow, maybe the next one, she doesn't like that photo, who is that young buck with you, it's ridiculous, <laughs> she's going to ministry, it'll be easy, you won't age at all, um, 19 years, I, I, I'm so grateful to God. But you've got to know, at that time to get married, that young was crazy, and the industry I was in was crazy to people, but I believed in a God who had a design and a plan. And if I bought into His design, His goodness would continue to flow over me, and it has. And it has. Thank you. Love you. But the challenge is, the church, when we speak about sex, it's often this, sex is dirty, Sex is there's something for the private. We don't talk about that in church. Save it for your marriage. What a blessing. Something dirty, something, uh, no rubbish. Sexuality, as we've said, is designed by God as a way, I believe, to know Him more fully. I believe also that knowing God is designed by God as a way to guide and guard my own sexuality. It is a fire that is designed to burn. So what if we decided, we're making some health alterations finally, it's been coming for about four years. So you've got to decide a few things. You've got, where's the kitchen? Well, let's just put it where the previous one was. Good call. That was easy. But then you realize we live in Cape Town and it gets cold. So we love a fireplace that works and doesn't smell like the room. So we want to plan our way. So you know what you don't do? You don't just go, well, we can just call a fire in the middle of the room. Bring some wood. Put a fire in that thing. And you just mount up the wood like you're in some wild zone with nothing to burn around, and it's just going to burn. Now, that's how forest fires start. That's how houses burn down. That's how chaos comes. No, you go and you buy a fireplace. With, and, and there's lots of options, apparently, I've realized, and they're also not cheap. And you buy one that contains and creates a space for the fire to burn. And it has boundaries and limitations that can't be put near electrical sockets or gas. It has a right place. And in that right place, when it burns, it brings warmth to all around. It warms up a house. It brings healing sometimes to souls that are a bit down. I don't know about you, but I can stare at a fire for ages. It's like my favorite thing when we go camping. Make a fire, everyone falls asleep, and I just stare at the fire. I know. Weird. But my marriage and my sexuality is designed to be a fire that burns. I want to tell you that. It's, 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 it's designed to burn. And this image has been used by many more bef before me. But it's, it's the challenges. And we've made statements like, well, we use that scripture in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 9. And the NIV reads it this way. But if they cannot control themselves, other interpretations, if they are burning, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. The challenge is not a very good translation from the Greek. A better translation, the Amplified say, but if they do not have sufficient self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn in the passion. See, self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. We actually got better self-control. It's not saying just get married because you can't control your sexuality. It's saying actually grow in your self-control, but understand that there's a burning happening. There's a burning, and God designs it. And so we get to decide where and how we throw the coal on, we throw the wood on, we throw the tinder on, we, we get to design. I would present to you as we navigate a bigger issue of sexuality and we start jumping into marriage that, that I get to design whether I should or shouldn't throw the fire. If I'm sitting and it's late at night and I'm moving away from a fire with overhanging trees, I don't go throw, throw 30 logs of wood on and go to my tent and fall asleep. That's how you start forest fires. 
That's why they have limitations of where you can and can't have fires in our city because we have an issue with fire spread and wind. That's why we need wisdom when making these things. But it's the same thing in my sexuality. What am I doing when I'm sitting down? I think I'm going to have to read a book at night. I could pick up Gabe's Agatha Christie or I could pick up Fifty Shades of Grey. I would present to you Fifty Shades of Grey is a log for fire to burn in your head and heart. Trust me, ladies, no guy can afford a, a, a helicopter flight through the city. I just saw the advert. I think, immediately, that's not real. So, The Bachelor, these, um, I, I had to even go Google because I've heard it around, what's it? Um, I love Ireland, where they park on an island and see if they can resist each other or run each other. I'm not quite sure what the agenda is. But I would present to you that that, that, that is logs, firewood, to burn. And so God says, actually, I'm not quiet on this issue. I was there at the beginning. I put a plan in place. It's got parameters, it's got purpose, and it's got design. But at the issue of that parameters, purpose, and design, and understanding those things is, do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe that he's good? Do you believe he designed sexuality? And do you believe because a good God who is good and he's a good designer designed something good in its place and purpose? Because if you don't, you're really going to struggle with what the Bible says about sexuality. And I know this because we've done sex series before and people have left our church. Actually, a number of them. And the challenge is this. Don't you love me? No, I do. That's why I'm preaching it. Because the devil hates you. He hates you. And when I understand that, and I know the only way through is truth. The issue of marriage is urgent right now. Now, there's, you'll say, but there's more urgent things. I'm telling you, the presentation of family with marriage at the center of that design is a reflection pointing to the Trinity, to who is God, more than almost any other sign and wonder. So we need great marriages. And you know what we also need? We need great marriages with great sex lives. Honestly, the church leading the way. Come on, church. It's cold outside, people. There's just a huge chasm between the biblical version of marriage and our humans see it. I want to give you something of a definition. It, the, the, the Bible view of marriage, number one, is God-given. Oh, but it's just a piece of paper and it's just a little thing of the land. No, it's not. It's God's given. It's the wedding and the beginning and God's design in Genesis and it's the wedding that will come and it's Jesus' reflection saying, I'm using the image of myself as a bridegroom coming back for my bride. It's that important. It's not just something man made up. And, and so we start having, well, marriage is hard right now. We start thinking, oh, maybe I made a mistake. It doesn't matter who you are. It matters who God is. And if you will trust him, I say that with all due respect. God is in control. Secondly, it's voluntary, meaning you've got to want it. Oh, I'll get married. If I get married, fine. You're probably not going to get married. Because I'd also love a six-pack, but if I don't sign up for that thing... It's not going to just happen. No, it's, you've got to want it. You've got to desire it. It's a gift. So it means, and I'm telling you, as I meet more and more young people, it's one of those, well, we'll just see what happens. I'm telling you, I want to push you towards the side of, I really want what God gives. Not because it in itself is an idol or because singleness is some kind of secondhand Christianity. Not at all. That is rubbish. But because God gives good gifts. And I trust Him. And I've just lost everything of my notes. There we go. It is sexual. A part of the miracle is to become one, and they are designed as one flesh. 
It is sexual. And so that means if your marriage is a little bit asexual these days, you've got to get it back there. It means some of those tough conversations has to happen. It means some of those insecurities have to bow their knee to the glory of Jesus. And I'm telling you, there's a mandate for marriages to be together sexually. There should have been a lot more amens to that. So I'm just going to keep preaching and believe that in your heart you were amening. Just saying, come with me, Henry. Come, I need, I need to hear you, buddy. And I would say to you as well, it needs to be public. Uh, everyone, this ring that I wear, although I've lost about 37 of them, every one of them touts to everyone watching, she's my wife. She's the desire and my fire that burns is for her. God put that design in place. And I would present to you, and here's with the challenge, it's between one man, and I'm not confused what a man is, and one woman. What about homosexual marriage? It's not my design. It's not my choice. Do, do I know people who are homosexuals who are married now, and do I love them as friends? Yes, I do. Do they know what I preach? Well, they're going to find out on social media very soon, and I have before, because I've preached about this multiple times before. But my love for them is not buying into a worldly idea of something. My love for them is submitting and surrendering and trusting God. It's the greatest love I can have. Well, what about inclusive versus exclusive marriage? And it's quite popular to have these open door marriages when I, no. Not God's design. You can make a fire anywhere, but then deal with the fallout. If you're wanting to call in the firemen and see if they can save your house, that's fine. I just want to risk it. But, but it's committed. It, we're not married, but it's committed. We're not making that decision. Well, someone wants an out. Number one, I'll tell you that's the true, honest option. Number two, it's not God's design. We keep throwing at us the church because it's God's design issue. There's a lot of things in the Bible that I would go, oh God, maybe I would, it doesn't matter what I think. It really doesn't. I get to choose to follow Jesus the way, the truth, and the life. There's no more greater topic than sexuality to test our surrender and trust of God. I'm telling you, there just isn't. That's why every point and every issue we preach about, whether it's pornography and lust or whether it's marriage, it's about, is God God? And the purpose, well, it's clear, the mission of God. The mission of God. Yes, your joy is part of the fact that, yes, we get to have kids. Yes, we do these things together. But ultimately, God's calling us to play a part in his mission. And one beautiful part of that is marriage. The problem is there's this new normal where marriage is archaic. It's limiting. It's a failed institution, a broken concept, and a killer of fun. Part of that is because the church haven't done a good job at presenting marriage. We haven't. The stats aren't that different out of America about what marriages look like, what divorce looks like. They aren't that different, what pornography usage looks like. They're not that different. We are called to be different. People should come into our homes and not go, wow, your fireplace. They should go, wow, the fire in your marriage. She is the object of my desire from the very first day I met her. It just took her a bit longer. (laughs) But that photo, my whole heart goes burning. Every part of me. By the grace of God, this is the only woman that I've ever made love to. By the grace of God alone. And I'm so grateful for that. But I want to tell you, it can be awesome. I want to tell you, whatever your experience of marriage is and whatever people have told you, it cannot compare to the designer's design if you will trust him. Jesus had a vision for marriage. 
They came at him in Matthew 19, and they said, oh, but, but if, if such a, what if, what if, well, marriage is so difficult, and people getting married said, shouldn't it be better, it's not better not to marry. They're trying to trick him. They're saying, they're talking about divorce and bring up the issue of divorce. And what Jesus does, he doesn't deal with the issue. He elevates the issue of marriage. He responds in verse 6 saying, haven't you read that at the beginning the creator made them male and female? He's just going back to original design. You're saying, Mark, you're a stuck record? Well, Jesus was too. And said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, God, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Couple of issues. As Jesus raised the bar, number one, we've said it again, we're going to keep saying it, God, marriage is God's design. As Gabe preached so beautifully last week, the enemy's desire is to deform what Christ has formed. And once he's deformed, he wants us conformed in that story. But God says, I need you transformed what to what? To something new? No, to something old. Something original. So amazed, my mate this week confessed to me, only just found out what OG meant. The original. Come on, people. Where are we? Original gangster. But, but our marriage is not primarily about us. It's about God. It's about His glory. It's about His splendor. It's a sign and wonder pointing to Him. Just the way someone who rises off a deathbed of cancer, another life that comes out of addiction, and I see one preaching this morning, my life and my marriage is a sign and wonder to a watching world. First and foremost, your children. I've got three sons. Who are they going to learn how to respect and love a woman other than me? Is it going to be social media? Is it going to be the mates at school? Is it going to be the teachers? Is it going to be the, the idea of the day? Or will it be their father who will show them how to love his wife? It's my responsibility. I can't abdicate it to another. Secondly, marriage is a covenant relationship of one flesh. And I don't have time to adequately present covenant. But covenant means it's something holy. Covenant, it means that God is in it. Covenant means you don't just get to walk away. Covenant means you fight. Covenant means blood has been spilt so that your blood doesn't have to be. Covenant means something more than I'm out. It doesn't work for me anymore. It says this in Genesis 2, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother, mommies and mother, he'll leave you. Let him leave you and her and be united to his wife. Become united, one. It says, and the two will become one flesh. And I just wanted that one flesh is a posturing and a pointing to a sexual union as well. Not just a financial partnering. Not just an emotional benefactor of my good EQ. No, my sexual partner for life because God designed something. He put a fire inside of me and it's meant for someone. It's meant to show someone something of God. It's meant to reveal to a watching world. And now the world doesn't watch the intimate, but they watch the fruit of it. You'll be known by your fruit. Ephesians 5 presents a picture as, as the apostle is speaking and writing to anyone who would consider. It says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two be shall become one flesh. Ah, oh, who said that? This is a great mystery. A great mystery. 
So I'm speaking about Christ in the church, but this great mystery, why is it such a great mystery? Why? Because we are living in a world that's obsessed with self. So the idea of giving yourself for someone else, laying yourself down is a mystery to a world that is obsessed with themselves. I'm telling you. And we have to do some assessment and go, am I too? Autonomy, we, we are obsessed with autonomy. We're obsessed with the idea that I'm the ruler of my story. No, you're not. You're buying into a mystery. We, we have shrines of television and cinema where these rom-coms play out and, and movie stars present something that is not real. It's just not real. Now, marriage is gonna have seasons, like everything in life. And some are going to be good seasons, some are going to be tough seasons. And even your sexuality will seem to have seasons and be implicated by that. And you're going to learn to navigate that. And what do you do is you manage your fire. It's not my job when I go to a campsite of 100 campsites to manage every. Your fire is looking a bit small. Put some more coals on. Your fire, I mean, your fire is not. You, slow it down, brother. Take the wood off, slow it down, get some water on. That's not my job. My job at a campsite is to manage my fire so it brings life to those who are nearest. And lastly, I'd present this. And this is where it gets challenging. Sex was designed for marriage. It's a mystery, but a glorious one. And the challenges of 2023 is we live in a world where more babies are born out of wedlock than in. Don't need to tell you how that happens, but it involves sex. And, and, and it's this man-made thing, oh, and the challenge, but we love each other. And, 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 and why, why does it have to be a man and a woman? Can it be a, a cis man and a cis woman or this kind of all these conversations? Stop the conversation. Stop the reacting and start worshiping and fixing your eyes on Jesus. And I promise you, you will have the courage and strength to walk this journey with love and courageous love and theological faithfulness. It is possible. Oh, but Mark, it's costly, this marriage and the wedding and all this stuff. No, don't go into debt to get married, but I promise you now, honor God, and he is faithful. And, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit as we navigate, but what about sex outside of marriage? Well, Hebrews 13 challenges both in marriage and out. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. What about sex about outside of marriage? Well, I would present to you as I have done, but let me say it another way. Sex and singleness are mutually exclusive when it comes to God and His Word. And, and the Bible presents that any sexual contact outside of marriage is called, what the Bible uses, word like sexual immorality. A guy named Michael Lawrence wrote this, Inside marriage, sex is like a good steak dinner. It not only tastes good, but it is good for you and builds up a marriage. Outside of marriage, sex is like candy. It might taste good, but it does not last, and a steady diet of it will make you sick. Sick in your soul and sick in your relationships with women. That was written to men. But sexual immorality is not this high standard that the church stands on because we're trying to be different. Sexual immorality is what is morally right and wrong to God. Not to us. Not to the church. Not to, oh, where do life changes want to be on the sexual uh, continuum? That's not a conversation. There's just God's design. So as we face the reality, we need to deal with it vulnerably, and, and we need to come courageously to this thing. Paul wrestled this. 
As he presented 1 Corinthians 6, says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be able to be mastered by anything. The challenge is sexuality can master you. You just need to know, have you ever met someone in sexual addiction? They're doing what they don't want to do. They know it's causing chaos. He says, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for God, and the Lord is for the body. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but also raised us up through his power. I think I put a different version there. But here's the challenge as we navigate this. We're not called to be mastered by anything, which means... The only way to navigate my heart is not to fight and suppress the battle and the burning. You try stop a fire. It's not easy. You've got to suck all the air out of it. That's the easiest way to kill a fire. What about breathing in the air of knowing God? What about fixing your eyes? That very scripture gave read, which is in Ephesians, Jared, not Colossians. Um, but uh, so Jared trying to find that one in Colossians. And, um, and, uh, but that fire of fixing your eyes on the Father of growing, ever-increasing revelation of the Father. I promise you, it is the way to navigate our souls. So what is our connection or relationship with sexual immorality? Well, here's the challenge in Ephesians 5. But among you, who's you? You's you. You, you. Us. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Let's just also just move past impurity, greed. There's some other things we shouldn't have a hint in as well. But sexual immorality is a challenge. There's not even a hint. A hint. You don't, you don't need a lot of... I hated coffee for most of my life. And if someone stirred a coffee with the spoon and then put it in my malo, I could taste that spoon had been in because there was a hint. Bad example, but I hope you get it. Some points about sexual immorality as we go fast. The world and God will not agree what is sexually immoral or moral. They just will never agree. They have never agreed and will never agree. And you as a believer need to choose because confusion leads to chaos. It says in Romans, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their hearts, foolish hearts, were darkened. We just fall there when we allow ourselves to be confused. God is not confused about what is sexually immoral or not, and he lets us know, both in his Old Testament, New Testament, oh, Mark, that's very Old Testament, you're quoting from Leviticus. No, cheap is, let's go to Ephesians, let's speak to Paul's writing and see how challenging it is. Understand this, because we love to blame someone else, our culture, it's our world. Understand sexual immorality comes from within us. You can be isolated from the world for 20 years, and I promise you, you'll still find ways. It says this in Mark 7, verse 21, For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, etc. I want to tell you it's a result, as Gabe preached last week, of our fallen, sinful nature. It's, it's, it's a result. There's a result. And we need to come back to the healing that God has for us. Two more things. Your body was meant for sexuality inside of God's plans. Oh, Mark, but I'm burning. I've got passions, desires. Yeah, we can have honest conversations about how to navigate that, but it doesn't negate the fact that you have to navigate it because a fire uncontained without parameters, without a boundary, causes chaos. Causes chaos. And you know what? It affects others others. 
brings destruction. And I want to tell you, as you'll be told many times in this series, our journey is not to stay and fight. This is not a Rocky movie. I'm going 12 rounds with lust. And I'm talking to husbands. I'm talking to wives. I'm going to go 12 rounds. I'm going to defeat my search history. I'm going to, I'm going to keep going. Look at me, duck. Whoa, whoa, I had a good weekend this weekend. No, you can't do that. The Bible gives one instruction. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 18, flee from sexual. Don't fight it, flee. You aren't Rocky Balboa. There is no Adrian. It's not happening. You're just called to run, like, more like Joseph. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. So how do we live this life, church? The unashamed life. Where we understand what marriage is for. See, I, I come humbly and say, I've had parents who've been married for 53 years. So for me to believe marriage is good, even though they lost everything, the greatest thing that either of them will tell you they've ever had is their marriage. After they lost everything, their business, their farm, everything, they came and lived with us. I'd hear them get up at 5.30 in the morning, reading the Bible together, giggling, laughing. So for me, in my experience, but I realize for many it's not the case. Mark, what do you say if I'm single in the room? I'll tell you this, I love you. I pray for you. God's grace is abundant. He will provide for you. When it seems impossible, he will open up the seas for you. If you will trust him, if you keep your eyes on him, if you will hold on to him, if you allow the word of God to fashion and shape your thinking. Because I'm telling you, if you want the promises but don't believe the promiser, you're gonna struggle to stumble into the promises. If I look back, I would tell you my journey of being 14, 15, 16, saying, God, why didn't you just save me at 25 so I could have one of those really cool testimonies, one of those wild testimonies who came back to Jesus, like someone's telling a table this morning, and I'm going, I want one of those testimonies, but I don't have one of those. I was 17, prayed all my prayer meetings. Exciting. I was designated driver. I was, oh, you're such a prude, you won't come into this place. I was that guy. And then I was 21 saying, God, this burning is a lot. And then I met the girl of my dreams. At 21, and I'm grateful for that. But we had to navigate three and a half years of burning, of God's passions, desires, saying, God, I love you, but I love her. But I love, but I Stay in community. Stay in community. Fight your battles together. Get people around you. Ask them for help. Be vulnerable. Confess to God and confess to each other. Fight what is normal in the world by submitting to what is normal in the Bible. Fight to trust Him. Because as Gabe says often as we preach for years, it's on the other side of great obedience where we'll see great inheritance. Met his wife in church, trusting God, even though she left him for a while. And that's a complicated story. Maybe go, this is a better story. Yours is complicated. But I watched this man love God for years. Love God. God provided supernaturally to the point that Fiona was on band that week. 
didn't say Gabe didn't have a, high, a, a hand in it. So to the singles, I'll tell you, I'm not going to say this is going to be easy. I'm not going to say you're going to feel like everyone else. I'm not going to say there aren't going to be moments and times where you're going to want to throw it all away. But I will tell you, I've seen people who the enemy cut in on. I will tell you that there were friends of mine far more gifted and graced and this area cut in on them. And they struggled to trust Jesus in this area. I will tell you also that the lie that it'll all fall away one day, your 20 years of pornography viewing and masturbation will just all disappear the day you say I do at a wedding. That is the greatest lie. No, the enemy's target just gets bigger. But today is about marriages, and can I just challenge the marriages today? Your, your marriage is called to burn. Bright for the kingdom of God in every area. And after quite a few years of pastoral care, I know enough to know this is an issue in many marriages. And I know there might be very valid reasons why it is. But as your pastor and within this community, I want to challenge and charge you to have honest conversations. To bring Jesus into the center. To trust him. To fight for the design. Because he's a promise giver, faithful to every promise. And if you're in the room and you're saying, well, I've had failure in that area. You know the gospel we believe and preach of a God who restores and heals, and he will restore. In two weeks' time, if you go to Arise, ladies, you will hear two of the greatest testimonies I've ever heard in my life, and I've had the privilege of calling them friends. So we believe in a God of miracles. Can you stand with us as we land this morning? Can we just lift our hands to Jesus? I know we've got family day. Good news is the rain has gone away, so you don't have to go away. We got communion together as a family day. Can you come up here, Ken? I, um, I want to tell you, I'm your preacher. I'm also an utter failure in this area. I've made thousands of promises to Jesus since I was 14 years old that I lied. And not just when I was 14. This is a battle. This is a battle. And I can't do it, neither can you, outside of this body that was broken. I can't. So when we come and we remember this body, we're saying, God, we trust you. We don't just believe that it's possible. We trust you that it will happen. That these passions that burn, that feel like they'll burn brighter, no, no, I can trust you for them more. Maybe you're in a marriage that has gone like a fire that you wake up to on a Sunday morning that was burning the night before, but it's gone quiet. I'm telling you, the way back is the grace 
that flows because of this blood. And I'm asking you, in the light of the kingdom of God, advancing in and through your life and our story, fight. Fight. Fight for life. Speak. Encourage. This is my wife. But I need Jesus, and so do you. And so let's take communion together. Have we got other oh, in the rooms there? Sorry. Why don't you take, we're going to take a moment. Why don't you grab communion at the tables, at the front and the back? Sorry, I thought you had those little fancy things. tell you I believe in a God who can restore and redeem the most broken things and maybe feel like Mark you're talking about something that I used to have but something broke into my life maybe something I did or something someone else did and now it's just shattered glass on a floor I want to tell you about the creator of heaven and earth who spoke and it was and I'm telling you as we preach a series called Unashamed. God doesn't want shame on you, sir. He doesn't want shame on you, ma'am. He doesn't want shame in your marriage. He doesn't want shame in your story. He wants to heal. He wants to bring life, freedom, and joy. So we remember our Redeemer today, whose body was broken. Maybe your body's been broken. Please remember him today. Allow him to be Lord, Savior, and healer of your soul and your body today as we remember him and his body. Let's take the emblem together. in his blood the blood that poured it poured there is no condemnation because of this blood it's just promises 
promises of life, promises of healing, promises of a future. If you will trust Him, this blood will flow. It'll find the worst and the most broken parts of you. It'll bring healing and wholeness if you will trust Him. Let's take off His his blood today as we remember. Can I just ask, if you're married today, why don't you just take your spouse's hand if they're next to you? I am. I am. We need grace. We need power. We need healing. And there's an attack. The greatest weapon to fight for you is standing next to you. Which means critical words need to come out of our mouths. To be honest, outside of the presence of God, I'm a critical man. I'm an arrogant man. I have potential to say things that can hurt people. Actually, as a teenager, I learned how to do that very well. And you think when you grow up, it'll just go away. It doesn't. And so it has to come under the authority of Jesus Christ so that life can flow. And I would ask you, sir, And I'd ask you, ma'am, in your marriage, what needs to come under the authority of Jesus so life can flow right now? Can we just close our eyes just for a second? I'm not asking you to meet a standard, take a checklist. I'm asking you what needs to come under the authority of Jesus Christ so that life can flow. And I'm asking you to surrender it, to trust Him. And as we leave this place, I'm going to ask something even more brave is you need to speak to the one that God has made you one with. It might be a mystery, it might be a challenge, but you need to speak and allow freedom, joy, and life to come. God, I pray your blessing upon each and every one of these marriages today. I pray for some that are holding on and it feels a bit white-knuckled, a bit hard, I pray your grace would invade and bring life. I pray for those that are trusting, trusting you for miracles, trusting you for life. Would you pour in? As they pour out for you, praise, glory, and honor, would you pour in healing, wholeness, and life today? And I pray for those tough conversations that need to happen. I just pray, Jesus, would you be present? Would you be real? Would you enable life to flow? We worship you, God. We trust you. We give you all the glory, all the praise. Amen. Thank you, Mark, for that very encouraging yet challenging word. Thank you. Um, We believe in doing community together. That's what the word of God says. So we're going to do family day together now. For the kiddies, we've got jumping castles. We'll have them set up here in the auditorium. Face paints available. For us as adults, who doesn't love a good chicken prego? Come on. So we've got those on sale for 25 Rand and coffee's outside. But Gabe's going to read a scripture just yeah. to bless us. Why don't, we, why don't we close our eyes as we land? This is the word of God to us as we go. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, the one who ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may that God equip you with all you need. 
for doing His will. And may He produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to Him. All glory to Him forever and ever. Amen. We love you, Life Changes Church. Amen. Please don't rush off. Make it a priority. Stick around and get to know somebody. We'll see you next week. And if you need prayer, we'll have our incredible prayer team available at the front. Otherwise, see you in the court. What an amazing, amazing word. If you would like to find out about what's happening in the life of the church, why don't you follow us on our social media, Instagram or Facebook, or you can go into our website, lifechanges.org.za. Thank you so much for watching that video. Be blessed.